from the latest on Caribbean cruises to kosher safaris, pilgrimages to Jewish Eastern Europe and award-winning wines and international cuisine in sun-drenched Tel Aviv. Sit back and enjoy the trip with the travel edition of the Jerusalem Post podcast. Ho, ho, ho. Merry Christmas, David. Oh, for goodness sake, or bar humbuggers, oh, all my friends. Grinch. No, absolutely. Sorry, I was just finishing off that lovely biscuit you gave me. They're called cookies or something. Oh, sorry, yes, cookies. Anyway, shouldn't you be eating Christmas pudding? I don't like Christmas pudding. I've never had Christmas pudding, but what I do miss living in Israel are mince pies. Do you know what a mince pie is? It's a pie with mince in it. But not Chicken mince. Chicken mince? mince. No, exactly. It's mince fruit. You and I, we're, we're Jewish. You grew up in Jewish London in the largest Jewish community in Europe at the time. I grew up in Manchester, which is a very traditional religious Jewish community. But was Christmas a thing where you grew up? Not as much as it was once I was grown up. As a child, we never really got into it. But once I got out of home and went to university, I remember from November onwards, the Christmas lights on the way home on the bus. The shops were full. People started drinking heavily from the beginning of December. I thought we Brits drink heavily all year round. Yeah, but heavy, heavy, heavy I can't, what's the word? Heavy, uh, load, heavy, I can't even say. I've been drinking, drinking. clearly. <laughs> Do you know what I really would have loved as a tradition, but we never had it in England? Kissing Santa. No, we did that. And he's, he's now serving five years. For... <laughs> Inappropriate. Yes, what did you, what would you have loved? I love the American tradition. The Chinese food at Christmas for Jews. That's just because you're in love with China and you're in love with food. It's true. I mean, you could feed me anything. But I like, <laughs> I like that idea that you, you go out for a Chinese and the Chinese restaurants stay open for Christmas. So we never did Christmas. And when we heard that there were Jewish people out there with Christmas trees or Hanukkah bushes or whatever you call them, it was always sort of a, a bit of a shock. But my parents did let me sit on Santa's knee in the, you know, the big department store in town and, you know, and get a little gift. And the other things that I remember from Christmas was at three o'clock every Christmas day, the Queen's speech, Queen Elizabeth II, would talk to the people, a bit like the, the State of the Union minus the politics. And then straight after her speech, there would always be the Christmas movie. And before it was Top of the Pops, where they counted down the best, the best songs, songs of the year. Have you ever been on holiday at Christmas? This is a travel show after all. Yes, I have. And here's a story for you. When I was 14, the first time... I had ever flown anywhere. My parents brought me to Israel. We were staying in the Dan Panorama opposite the Dolphinarium in South Tel Aviv. Came to the period of Christmas and New Year, and my mother, who was very, very old-fashioned, not particularly religious, but very traditional Jewish, you know, sort of Bobby type, and she saw that they had a Christmas tree in the corner and was appalled. And when she found out there was going to be a New Year's Eve party for Israelis from Tel Aviv, she went to the general manager of the hotel to register a complaint. Oh, but you still went? No, I was too young. I wasn't allowed to stay up that late. I once spent Christmas in the Gambia. Is it called The Gambia or Gambia? I think it's called The Gambia, but I'm happy to be proved wrong because I regularly am. And it was, I think, 35 degrees. Santa Claus wore shorts and a T-shirt and a little white beard. So when we're talking 35 degrees, what's that in the 90s? Uh, yeah, nine, about 95 degrees. Right. That was a way to spend Christmas. Father Christmas wearing shorts. Well, talking of Father Christmas, have we got a treat coming up for you on today's pod? Have we? 
Absolutely. We're not going to Lapland. We're not going to your local department store. We are going to the holiest city in the world, Jerusalem, and we're going to meet the Holy Land's Santa Claus. That's coming up in a minute. And then where are we off to, Mark? Well, keeping the Christmassy thing going, I think we should get some snow into the action. And make it Jewish. Let's go skiing to shul. And before we start all of that, let's take a look at our two regular quiz questions. Mark. Question number one. Using the shortest route on Google Maps, how many miles or kilometres is it from the Church of the Nativity in Bethlehem to Santa's house in Jerusalem, just by the Jaffa Gate? That is the most anal question we've ever had on the pod, and it would be you who came up with it. And question- It would be, but actually you came up with it. <laughs> And it's the Church of the Nativity for all Americans out there. And question number two. Utah has a men's NBA basketball team called the Jazz. It used to have a women's NBA team. What was its name? And that would be Utah for all you Americans out there as well. What did I say? Utah. (laughs) We'll give you the answers at the end of the pod. You know the phrase, I feel like a child at Christmas? Well, I'm in a grotto and there's a chair that says Santa on it and signs of the Jerusalem Santa everywhere. We have come to interview Santa Claus, also known as Issa, who is a very good friend of mine, to tell everybody about the Jerusalem Santa and a little bit more about Issa himself. Introduce yourself, Issa. Hello, hello, everybody. My name is Isa Aniska Sisier. I'm from the old city of Jerusalem. Uh, I'm Santa for 15 years. The things I'm doing is to bring love and joy in Jerusalem. And uh, how this idea came to me as to be a Santa 15 years ago. I went to Jaffa Gate, the municipality of Jerusalem, uh, distribute a Christmas tree. And I tried to help them. And, uh, they, and then I say why I don't go to be like wearing a Santa? And I found in my cupboard a, a suit, which my father wearing uh, when we were kids to make us happy. And I put it on and I went to Jaffa Gate. And the time when I went to Jaffa Gate, I saw everybody were happy and excited. And then suddenly, every year, the municipality and the people say, are you coming again to Jaffa Gate? I just did it once a year. I didn't do it as all months of December. And everybody were happy, excited to see Santa in Jerusalem. And year by year, after five years I did, and then I think about new idea to come to Jerusalem as years and thousands of years they used to to use the camel as a transport in Jerusalem. And uh, I just tried the camel, I entered Jerusalem with the camel and it was wild word. Everybody was saying, oh, the Holy Land or Santa of Jerusalem coming to the Holy Land with the camel. And it was a big surprise for everybody, either in all the world media. All of us, certainly um, in the northern part of the globe, think of Santa as living somewhere in Lapland, in Sweden, in Finland. So how do you make it different? You said you got the media interested. Where do you take it from there that makes it unique, that makes it Jerusalem? And of course, in Jerusalem, Christians are a minority. How do you make this something for everybody? This is the real place. The Holy Land is the real place of Christmas. It's either is not, and the story of Santa came from Turkey, actually. It was a Greek bishop, and his name is San Nicholas, and he used to help the poor people. And that's how the start 
with Santa Claus. And it's different what we have here and around the world. Also in the United States, they do it different than in, in Jerusalem. And I feel it, it's a magical, like uh, really it's a special because as me as a Santa also, I'm the only Santa certificate Santa when I did Santa school, which I was going to tell you about Santa school. And also when I was in the school, I was surprised because I asked my teacher before you have any Santa from the Holy Land. He say, never. I say, either from the Middle East, there's no certificate Santa came to our school, which is the oldest school in the world. It's 83 years old Santa school. I came back here and I opened Santa house five years ago, especially in Jerusalem, in the old city. And it's, it's a special. Santa House, it's, this is your family home, isn't it? Yes. Are, are they not worried that more and more of the house is being given over to Santa? Not really. I, I just take one part of it under my house. I just use it because when I become a Santa, I say I need to have a Santa house, which we, do, we don't have a Santa house in the Holy Land as a professional like that. With respect, I'd like to ask you, Father Christmas, to stand up. Yes. Okay. By the way, do you call yourself Father Christmas or Santa Claus? Santa. I'd like you to just show us a little bit around. Let's say first, ho, 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 welcome to Santa's house. That's my chair here, what mm -hmm. you see. It's uh, incredibly large. It's almost as tall as you are. And it's uh, a big chair. I make it very special to show, especially when parents or kids come to have a picture with me. It will be something special to show on the picture. It's good memory because they will remember their that moment and they remember with the picture when they have the Santa all them life. So what else have we got? We have here the candy canes. We have the the boxes which I give children candy canes and chocolate also. And I have the uh, the glotto where is the nativity when we just to say where Jesus was born in Bethlehem and we just to show them that mm -hmm. also the things what happened about Jesus Christ that, that always I say Jesus is the reason of the season and that's how start also why they start the Christmases. This is my belt. Usually when I walk around, it's in my boots and uh, it's in my hand and everywhere. When I walk around Jerusalem, everywhere I go, oh, they say Santa is here. Oh, let's go on the windows, especially like everywhere I walk, everybody knows Santa came. Over here, we've got a typewriter. Yes. Is this one that you actually use? Well, this is, uh, I, use, I used to use it as, a, you know, as all time. I'm just doing this to show also the word, how it used to be in hundreds of years when Santa used to write letters back to the, the children and for the people who send letters. And I have here certificates for the good year and I write for the, the name of the children that they are were good all year and I give to the children to make them feel proud of themselves because that's make them very good for the years and years. You must be the most qualified Santa out there. I'm looking at a wall and it's just full of certificates for the best Santa. Well, this is not only the best Santa, it's also my certificates because I've been in Santa schools. The first Santa schools I did in Denver, 2017, in Colorado. And I did the, for the oldest school in the world. It's called from Charles W. Howard in Michigan Midland. Actually, when I was there, I invite almost of the Santa to come to Jerusalem and to the Holy Land as a pilgrimage. And it's happened. My dream came true. They came here before the corona started. And we meet every July in Denmark, in Copenhagen, it's called the World Santa Claus Congress. We meet in Copenhagen and we meet all the Santas around the world to meet each other, to have what's the newest about the word of Santa, to give our spirit and love starting with the Christmas season. You don't go to the North Pole? Not really. <laughs> David mentioned earlier that you were quite tall. Oh, yes. 
I am uh, like six one. I used to be a, a professional basketball player. Five I was going to ask. There were signs just up on the top of Santa's house yes. about your basketball. Part. I played basketball for twenty five years. I played in Jerusalem. I played in Hapoel Jerusalem. I played in Greece, and it's called the uh, Olympiakos. And then I am now head coach. Also, I'm in charge with the NBA Junior in YMCA Imka. We have. I'm in charge of this project we do in Jerusalem together. Anybody love to come to play? All the kids are together for making the sport happens also in Jerusalem. And you're also a VIP tour guide. Well, I'm not really VIP tour guide, but I'm uh, like uh, help try to do my best because my family did a lot of things and built a lot of things in the old city, especially the holy sites, like the Church of the Holy Sepulchre and everybody, especially all the head churches. And I do, especially when I work as a VIP, uh, all the Blumet missions, especially in Jerusalem, they always call me and say, Isa, please help us for doing this, either VIP for fame people or mission like presidents, prime minister or princes, actors. And uh, I love to do this because it's make me feel happy to show them the love and the things in Jerusalem. And obviously the most important person you met is my mother-in-law. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Prince William was one of the beautiful uh, visits in Jerusalem. It was an amazing visit. On the sort of more business end of things, do you run this as a business, as a charity, what are you doing and how much satisfaction do you get from what you're doing? Actually, it's not a business. I do it from my heart and especially, I'm going to explain something very important to know, that Santa, when he put his red suit, anybody can put you, him, wherever. Anyone can put his red suit on, but you need to do it from your heart. It's not easy just to put a red suit on. Anybody can put it. But I do it from love and joy. And also, I told you before that when I was a kid, I never lived as really to see Santa Claus in Jerusalem. And that's why I want to give this message and love to the children in Jerusalem and to the Holy Land. As a charity, why I do it? And now I try either to ask, I, ha I give a lot of chocolates. I ask people to give me some donation because it's not easy to give a lot of kilos for chocolate but without somebody support you. When is Santa's house open? Well, in the 1st of December, usually every year, all the months of December. What time? From uh, 5 o'clock until 8 in the evening. But usually it's not 8. I finish like sometimes midnight because of the queue of people, thousands of people coming and wait for hours to come in. In the modern age, does Santa have a website? Or well, contact details. Yes, of course. If you go to Google, you will just write Santa House or Jerusalem Santa. You will find details. And of course, Facebook as a Jerusalem Santa. Everybody follow this page. Issa, Santa, what a pleasure. What an amazing place. If you are in Israel this Christmas season, come and see this place. It's just inside the Jaffa Gate. You take your first turning on the left, go up to the top of the hill, turn right, and you will magically see this wonderful, wonderful home. Thank you. It's my pleasure, and I wish everybody to come to visit me inside my Santa house and come to Jerusalem, and I wish everybody health and safety, and Merry Christmas, and Happy New Year. Ho, 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 and Holy Land. Jerusalem Santa Fact File The nearest airport is of course Lapland International Airport. Santa Airways runs a limited seasonal service with flights starting 24th of December each year and finishing 24th of December each year, flying to 396 million destinations. 
Transfers to Lapland International Airport is via 8 reindeer or a camel. Lapland Exchange Rate. One year of good deeds will buy you one visit from Santa while you sleep. The climate of Lapland is very, very cold. Freezing cold. Better wrap up in a big red coat and grow a long white beard. Santa's cuisine is based on a diet of mince pies and warm milk. Jerusalem Santa is open between 5pm and 8pm on most days in December. The address is 2 St. Peter Street in the Christian Quarter of Jerusalem. And here's the latest news brought to you by the Jerusalem Post podcast, Travel Edition. The Omicron COVID variant has ground tourism to a halt in Israel. Non-Israeli citizens can't enter the country, and Israel has added most of its major destinations to a no-fly list for Israelis, including the United States, Canada, the United Kingdom, France, the United Arab Emirates, Turkey and all of Africa. With the ban on foreign tourists, Bethlehem and Nazareth are facing a bleak Christmas. However, some are hoping to salvage their holiday trade by encouraging Israelis and residents of East Jerusalem to visit. Access to Haifa's beach in half an hour from Tel Aviv. Nahariya in an hour. Israel's National Infrastructure Committee announced a new high-speed train line aimed at accelerating the urban renewal of Haifa on the northern coastline of Israel. The Israeli government offered tour guides allowances worth as much as $9,000 if they train for new professions because of a lack of incoming tourists. In 2019, 4.5 million tourists visited Israel, whereas only 370,000 have visited so far in 2021. Next time you're on holiday in Miami and are hankering after fish and chips, MASH.com has found a restaurant with kosher options to add to its absolute best fish and chips in the United States list. At Bubby's Fish and Chips, apparently, they turn fried fish and chips into an art. listening to the Jerusalem Post podcast travel edition. <laughs> David? Yes? Can you ski? No. Can you? No, but I know a man that can. I'm Rabbi David Levinsky. I'm the rabbi at Temple Har Shalom in Park City, Utah, which is a, a ski town about 45 minutes from Salt Lake, Utah. It's a reform congregation. I'm a reform rabbi. I have done other things in the past. I have a PhD from Stanford in religious studies. I played in a rock band for three years to tour America. So I've you know, done some other things, but now I'm on top of this mountain, you know, trying to create exciting and vibrant Jewish life in Utah. Was this when you were studying to be a rabbi and your mother said, can't you get a real job like being in a band? <laughs> <laughs> I did think that the proper order of events was to be in the band first and a rabbi after. Can you tell us about Park City? David, I think, has been there. I'm aware of the largest city next door, Salt Lake City, and the great basketball team that they have. But is Park City a major place to go as a tourist? It's a ski town destination, like 
like Vale or Aspen or something of the sort, and 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 very and very similar to those towns. It's a little more down to earth than than other ski towns, and I think that's its main attraction. It's a tiny town, you know, about eight thousand people in the town. But if we talk count the surrounding areas, about thirty five thousand people. So it, you know, I was not exaggerating when I said I'm in this little town on top of a mountain. I am. There are all these Jews sitting on top of a mountain in the middle of nowhere, and no, nobody knows about us, and we actually sort of like that. Are you the only synagogue? Of course Chabad is here. Chabad is <laughs> everywhere. We won't ask about Chabad. Your synagogue, does it have many members, or all the congregants from Park City? Tell us more about the synagogue and, and maybe the building as well. Sure thing. We have about 350 families. So it works out to be close to 700 members. So considering the numbers that I said of the size of the town, it's really a significant Jewish community. Uh, more people than you think live here year round, although we do have empty nesters who've settled here in retirement who also maintain another home you know, back where they raised their kids. So we do have some second home people. But uh, really the core of the congregation, the majority of the congregation are full-time residents of Park City. You have a claim to fame, which is, I imagine you are the only ski-in, ski-out, Kabbalat Shabbat Minyan in the world, I'm guessing. Is that true? And tell us a little bit more about it. I think that's absolutely true. There was talk that there was a congregation in Vermont that was thinking about doing this. I don't know whether they actualized it. But in any case, we were the first and we, you know, there may be a second. But every Friday at Deer Valley, which is a resort here in Park City, uh, we have Kabbalah Shabbat services in a cabin that's halfway down a ski run. So literally the only way you can get there, well, I guess you could have them uh, snowmobile you up, but uh, that would be rather indignified. <laughs> but the, um, the only way to get there is literally to ski down a ski run. You, have, you can't be a beginner. It's a blue run, not a green run. If you are an intermediate uh, skier, you're absolutely welcome to, to come and daven with us any, any Friday afternoon. We get people from all over the world. There's usually a small number of locals, of congregants, you know, one, two, or three. But we get anywhere from, you know, 30 to, you know, at times even in the range of 70 or 80 people for this service from Israel, from South America, from Europe, from all over America. It's become a destination. People find out about this minion and put it on their Jewish bucket list. We have people who literally fly to Park City just to do the ski minion. Um, yeah, so it, it, it's a wonderful thing. Do you do anything funky, maybe waving the ski poles around instead of the Lulav Palm branch? But is there, is there anything wacky that you do, or is it just a very standard sing-along Friday evening service? During one of the prayers, we do have a tradition of stomping our boots along with it. During the Amidah, instead of Moshiva Ruch Geshem, we say Shelek. <laughs> uh, let me just explain for those people who don't speak Hebrew. Instead of saying looking forward or praying to God for the rain, we pray to God for the, a good snowfall. Exactly. So basically, once Thanksgiving turns, so starting in late November, we shift our prayers. Um, we're no longer uh, praying for rain in the land of Israel, but instead we are praying for snow in Park City. So. When you applied to become the rabbi of the community, 
did it say must ski on the job advert or have you learned on the job? It did say must ski. I had to ski and I had to play guitar. I, I had I had the guitar. Those were literally in the job description. Brilliant. It's a reformed congregation. They don't have a, they don't have a chazan. So they don't have a cantor. So, of course, I needed to play guitar. Um, I had the guitar handled. I knew how to I knew how to do that. But um, I, I had never skied. I was a skateboarder since I was 15. So I just thought to myself, like, I have a positive relationship with gravity. I'll be able to figure this thing out. <laughs> and it, uh, it, it has worked out beautifully. I, I very much enjoy skiing. How much of this is gimmick to put you on the map? Is there something deeper at play here? Are we getting in touch with nature? What's the root of all of this? Yeah, I mean, I didn't start the service. The previous rabbi, Josh Aronson, did. So, you know, he would have to you know, tell you, you know, why he started it. What I, what I will say is that most people who live here live here because they do feel a profound connection to the natural world and their, their spiritual life, their religious life and their religious experiences are very much connected to time that they spend in nature or, and more specifically on the mountain. We all live, most of us don't live on the mountain. We live next to the mountain. Uh, I can look out my window and see it, but, uh, but I'm not actually on it. And being on the mountain is a profound spiritual experience. And uh, so to be able to connect that spiritual energy that they feel when they are on the mountain, so to speak, and to bring some Yiddishkeit into it, to bring some Jewish religiosity into it. I think that's why we have so many people that come for this service, is that they have those two things in separate boxes in their life. They're Jewishly committed, and they love the mountains. And then they find out there's a way that they can do both. The connection of the two is is really where, where something unique and special happens. Is there somewhere to get kosher food, a Shabbat meal, or good vegetarian food? There's good vegetarian food, definitely. All the grocery stores carry kosher food. It's not hard to get frozen kosher meat if you're a meat eater. So yes, um, when we have observant visitors, they are able to do that. The Chabad rabbi in town will be happy to kosher your kitchen if you rent a condo. Um, that's a part of what he does. So if you're coming for a little bit of a, a longer stay, we always get a lot of Orthodox yeshiva buchers from the East Coast during yeshiva week in the winter. They come out, they snowboard. It turns out the, the yeshiva buchers snowboard. They don't ski. Wow. Who would have known? Wow. <laughs> if you are traditionally observant, there is, you know, it's, it's fairly effortless to, to do that here. I was thinking maybe a snowboard is more the shape of a Talmud than a pair of skis. How can anybody find out more if they would like to join you? The easiest way to do that would just, as far as joining us at the synagogue, is just to, to Google Temple Har Shalom in Park City, Utah. There is another Temple Har Shalom somewhere in America, so Temple Har Shalom Park City, and, and take a look where all the, the details are. And the internet is a powerful tool, folks. You know, just, uh, uh, you know, go to your favorite airline and search for Salt Lake City as far as how to get here. There are ample opportunities as far as lodging and transport transportation. So if you're a skier, it's a wonderful, it's a wonderful way to integrate essentially Judaism and skiing. Or if you like winter outdoors to integrate your winter outdoor life 
and Judaism. And we love it too when people show up at the temple. We have an absolutely gorgeous building nestled into the foothills of the mountains by a creek and some nice uh, paths behind it where you can get a little bit of nature in the mountains while you even visit the synagogue. And, you know, we'd love you to come to Minyan at the synagogue as well. And a lot of our visitors do come to the temple as well, not just to the ski Minyan. Rabbi David Levinsky, thank you for coming on our podcast. Thank you for having me, David and Mark. Park City, Utah, Fact File. The nearest airport to Park City is Salt Lake City Airport. International flights arrive from Paris, Amsterdam, Frankfurt, Toronto and Guadalajara. Domestic flights come from all over the United States. There are a number of shared and private shuttles from Salt Lake City Airport to Park City. You can also use taxis and ride-sharing apps. Major chains with hotels in Park City include Hyatt, Marriott, Holiday Inn, St Regis, Sheraton and Best Western. Park City gets 95 inches of snow per year. Maximum temperatures in the summer are 29 Celsius or 84 Fahrenheit and winter temperatures can drop to minus 10 Celsius or 13 Fahrenheit. Chabad Lubavitch of Park City has a kosher co-op. Presently, the co-op offers kosher meat, poultry, gefilte fish, grape juice and other kosher items that are not readily available in Park City. Kosher vacations and lodges are available too. I'm feeling very chilly now. I'm not surprised given what we're recording this in. Your studio. If yes. you'd only pay for the heating, it wouldn't be so cold. And if I actually paid for soundproofing, we'd be able to block out the thunder from the storm outside. Anyway, let's say a big thank you to David and Santa for appearing on the pod. Thank you. Should we tell people about reviewing and liking the pod, David? And subscribing and following. Shall we? Go for it. No, you go for it. All right, please, 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 like us, follow us, share us. You can worship us as well if you want, but that doesn't get us any more likes. So please, please pass this along to your friends. Tell them it is the best pod since the last one you listened to. And if you like this podcast, there are 22 other podcasts with David and Mark. Oh, no, I'm Mark. With David and me. (laughs) (laughs) It's cold. It's affecting my brain. As long as it's only the brain that the cold affects. Let's do the questions to end the pod. Question number one. Using the shortest route on Google Maps, how many miles or kilometres is it from the Church of the Nativity in Bethlehem? (laughs) David's typing is terrible. From the Church of the Nativity in Bethlehem to Santa's house in Jerusalem just by the Jaffa Gate. And the answer is 6.2 miles or 10.1 kilometres. Which, according to Google, will take you just under two hours to walk. And question two. Utah has a men's NBA basketball team called the Jazz, and Utah used to have a women's NBA team. What was its name? And Mark tells me the answer is the Utah Stars. With two Zs at the end, just like the Jazz. I think they were Zs. Sorry, yes, two Zs. Talking of Zs, before we make you all fall asleep with our petty arguments over here, I think we should probably say goodbye. Happy Christmas, one and all. And, in fact, I don't think we'll have another episode before the new year. So wishing you and all of yours a very successful and, most importantly, 
healthy 2022. Amen. Bye-bye. Thank you.